Hello, and welcome to Risk Chats with a Firm. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today's podcast was recorded back in July at the HEAPDT in New Orleans with Yashika Rahman from FDA. He was there for an ERM panel, so we had her come into the ad hoc podcast studio and record a little podcast with us for our firm audience. So let's harken back to the PDT, and here's Yashika. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today we're happy to have with us Yashika Rahman from FDA. Uh, good afternoon. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Paul. I'm doing fine. Thank you. Great. And we also have Tal as our co-host today. Having a good time in New Orleans at the AGA conference, yes. enjoying good food and good music. And That's good right. company. And good company. That's yeah. right. We're all down here at the conference. And yep. uh, I, I connected with Yashika because you're going to be on a panel on Wednesday. So, yes, I am. Uh, I'm sure this podcast will be out after that. But uh, hopefully those of you attended got to, got to attend the panel. So why don't we just start off with, uh, with yourself. Do you mind just giving us a little bit of background, your background of what you do at FDA? Sure. Um, I, my background, actually, I came from an engineering um, uh, area. I used to design helicopters for wow. Sikorsky aircraft, and I loved it. And a part of um, doing that type of work, it's really managing risk. And so um, I loved it. And um, uh, prior to designing helicopters, I worked for the USDA as a risk um, analyst. So risk has been in my blood. And not only um, have I worked in that area, but I'm also, um, uh, I have a background, an academic background in that area, reliability engineering as well. So um, when the opportunity uh, came up at FDA for me to be the director of the um, agency's enterprise risk management program, I jumped at it. And I'm loving almost every moment of it. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about that opportunity a little bit. How did the ER program get going? What was the impetus? Uh, was there a champion? How did they get buy-in? How did the beginning begin? Okay, well, the beginning began before me. But um, from what I've heard, uh, it was really um, initiated by A123. So back in the spring of 2016, our agency embarked on really um, implementing this program in some form. But we formally established this program in earnest, I would say the fall of 2017 when I took over. But um, there was a lot of work done from spring of 2016 up until that point, and that began with a group where they first established um, the, or they tried to establish the enterprise risk profile for the agency. And this was done out of the project management office within the chief operating officers organization. And um, they began this Herculean project where it was a small team of folks. They interviewed the agency senior leaders, um, some key stakeholders, some subject matter, matter experts to identify what are the true enterprise risks for the agency. And so based on the information that they collected, they subsequently, they prioritized and then they validated that information and then they ultimately established the agency's first risk profile. Now this earth effort 
Um, it then migrated the year after that. I would say that the first, um, the first um, uh, risk profile for the agency was developed in 2017. Then after that, they migrated the effort to just being an annual update of the risk profile the following year, and that's about when I came on board. So after I came on board in the fall of 2017, with the full support and partnership of both the CFO and the COO, we formally established the um, FDA Enterprise Risk Management Program. And with that, we created both um, the vision for the program and some goals. And so the vision um, for our program is really that enterprise risk management, we partner, and I stress the word partner here because that's something that we do as a program. We partner with FDA leaders and everyday decision makers to really create a, a, a culture of strong risk management in the agency to improve um, FDA's mission performance and protect its reputation and resources. We also establish um, three program goals, which are relatively simple. We like to keep it simple. So they're one, to address old risk, two, to identify new risk, and third, to change risk culture. And so following the establishment of the vision and the goals and the objectives for the program, we also worked out a number of work streams that we thought were important in really um, standing up and maintaining a good enterprise risk management program. And after we, we did that, we then focused on executive leadership buy-in. And for this, we received invaluable support from the CFO. And so what we did, we leveraged his standing relationships with the agency senior leaders, um, as well as um, some of the organizational relationships that the FEMFIA community had. So we didn't really start from scratch in, in, in that. We leveraged what was existing. And um, we met, and just, just to note, you know, with the CFO's organization, that's money. Right. So that touches every single senior leader within right. the agency. So this is a great network to leverage. Um, immense support from the CFO and um, his organization. So we met with the senior leaders one-on-one. -on -one, and one, it was first to share the A123 expectations for ERM and senior leadership responsibilities and engagement. The second, um, when we met with the senior leaders on a one-on-one -on -one, um, basis, was to really share the ERM's program approach to implementing A123 principles. We also shared the ERM program's um, plan to engage them in the uh, management of the agency's enterprise risk through an ERM council. And that was an exciting um, uh, endeavor for us to undertake. And during this process, we obtained their commitment and their buy-in. And I say, when I say that, it's their commitment was demonstrated in who they put on the, um, on the, the ERM council. So the way that the FDA is, is structured, you have the commissioner at the top, and then you have um, the center directors, and then you have some major offices, you have the office um, director heads. And they either, in most cases, they either put themselves on the council or they would send their deputies in most cases. Um, and, and so, you know, they really demonstrated their commitment to, um, to enterprise risk management at the agency. Um, in addition to that, we spent time prior to the initial kickoff of the ERM Council to explain to each council member their responsibilities, um, the expectations, and to gather their feedback and to address any concerns that they may have. 
And um, because of that, we're able to successfully kick off the, the first um, ERM counselor at the agency earlier this year. And we continue to receive great support from the FDA senior leadership as we um, continue to make progress with this council. So you're in the CFO office and you've got the council going. Is the internal control uh, function or strategic management, strategic planning function, are those alongside you? Are they connected to you? Are they outside the CFO organization? How does that work? Okay, so I'll take a couple of those choices. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're connected to us. Okay. <laughs> they are with us. So they are also within the CFO's shop. Mm-hmm. So how we're structured, um, and um, I can elaborate on that a little bit more a little bit later, but we are, um, I report directly to the CFO, and um, the internal control shop, it's within the CFO's organization, but one layer um, below. So the CFO shop has an acquisition function. It also has a, fi- um, a finance function or a financial management function and also a budget function. So it's within that financial management function that you would find um, internal controls. So we're certainly connected. Um, they okay. are a part of the council as well, and they have um, their own um, uh, executive level committee that we are also members of. So we work hand in hand with each other. Got a couple more specific questions okay, about the organization. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Cyber, the mm-hmm. CISO, uh, the IT program, which is usually one of the most uh, highest risk programs in any agency, mm-hmm. and privacy programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do they roll into the council? Do they have their own seat? Uh, is a CIO represent them all? How, how does that work? Okay, so they they are represented at, represented through the COO. Okay. So the COO is a is a co-chair mm-hmm. of the council, and um, the CISO they are all and the CIO they are under the COO. So they are represented there, okay. and whatever information that comes directly from the council, they are certainly aware of it um, in real time. Mm-hmm. So okay. we, they are connected there, but we also, as um, how this council operates, um, when, when there are issues pertaining to, um, to IT or cyber that, um, that come up within the purview of the CIO or the CISO, um, they are welcomed to our meeting. So they right. also have a relationship with right. the council, but not official membership. Okay, a similar mm-hmm. track. Uh, First, a little-known fact. Yes. A11, presentation and execution of the budget, was actually the first OMB circular that laid out enterprise risk management principles and directed agencies to do it. And and they said the reason to do this Mm -hmm. is to improve decision-making on a portfolio basis. And since it's in the circular regarding the budget, everyone would assume that, you know, ERM, in many regards, has fundamentally been about decision-making and budgeting. Because that is where uh, almost all the major decisions of an agency sooner or later come home to roost. So here's the, here's the question. Yes. Uh, on, on strategic planning, mm-hmm. performance planning, uh, like the congressional budget uh, justification where they have the performance measures in, uh, mm-hmm. in there, how, how has this risk language, risk tolerances, and actual risks, how has that, uh, the ERM program joined that, if it has? Okay. I am happy you asked that one. Um, I would say that A11 mm-hmm. has been a blessing to our program. All right. Um, this year, and because of A11, it has now strengthened 
or, um, or, or, or relationship with the budget um, community within FDA. So for the first time this year, we're actually merging the ERM process with the budget formulation process. Fantastic. And we're even we're in the process of moving it even further. So we're moving it we're 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 trying to link it not only to the budget formulation process, but the entire budget development process. So from budget formulation to budget execution. And in the process the S the FDA recently um, stood up the working capital fund. So right now we're working out exactly what that dynamic will look like mm. um, for the agency. But that's How have the programs responded to that? Do they like it? Is it scary because it's changed? Do they do they say it's the right way to go? How I mean, when they change the way money is handed out, uh -huh. it, it creates a uh, like a little earthquake of, of uncertainty of people knowing if they're going to get what they got before. So it's 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 a mixed bag so far. And this year for us, um, in terms of the the processes mm -hmm. and um, between um, budget formulation and ERM it's still one that's somewhat in flux. Mm -hmm. So to a large extent, where we really came in this year is really to tie it into the budget justification. Um, that is great. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so that's something that we, um, we asked each of the, the, um, the, the folks who are requesting um, uh, funding in the budget um, this year for their line item is to tie it to one of the enterprise risks. Um, we wanted to see, you know, exactly where that relationship um, is, and for the most part, the um, the funding requests are tied to a risk mm -hmm. on our um, on our agency profile, and so the reception that we received it was one of um, wanting to know first what ERM is. So we got a number of calls, and we loved each each every single call, mm -hmm. wanting to know, okay, when they were asked to link their budget request to the profile, they wanted to know first what's ERM. Mm. And so that gave us a great opportunity to, to really share a little bit more um, with them right. and um, hopefully prime the pump for greater collaboration in the future. Now there are others too that are looking at this as a great opportunity to put, um, possibly get additional funding. Whether or not that's going to work, that remains to be seen. But they see right. this as a potential, you know, um, um, how we prioritize in the future, for example, if one risk is ranked much higher than the other, will that mean that they would, um, they're more likely to get funding? So that's something that's still not, um, we, we don't have the answer for that at the moment. But that's, um, that's serving as a great opportunity for some to get additional funding, or they see it as a great sure. opportunity. Or explain the need for it, you know, yes. more clearly, or the risks. Mm -hmm. Yes. And there are others, um, I would say, that <laughs> they're accustomed to they, they, um, whatever functions that they, they, they do, they're a core part of um, the, the agency's um, responsibility, and so the funding is expected. And so for them, I, 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 I believe that perhaps they see this as an extra layer. So for them, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's less, it's less, they see less of what's in it for me. Uh -huh. So it's a mix. It's a mixed bag, but we're hoping sure. that um, this will get um, to be better, and they will see this as um, a great way to do business moving forward. 
And since the budget's what hands out money, it ends up being the piper to which everybody dances. <laughs> well, some may disagree with you that it's handing out money. <laughs> some would say that we have no. to struggle and fight for it. Well, <laughs> it's next to the person uh, that's headed out there. All right, I, I agree ERM doesn't hand out the money, but when it's part of the process, yes. it adds serious weight to the discussion. Absolutely. Let yeah. me say that once yeah. and twice and three times. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it certainly does. Well, let me ask a little bit about um, maybe kind of the risk culture um, or risk, you know, we, we recently spoke with USAID and they put out a really excellent risk appetite statement out to the public, actually. Mm -hmm. um, is that something you all have considered uh, going into the risk appetite? Yes, we certainly consider that. We currently, we do not have a, have a risk appetite statement, but we certainly have a plan for one. Okay. Um, we're at the juncture right now of formulating our approach. Um, to developing a risk appetite statement for the agency. So do we do it at the agency level? Mm -hmm. Do we do it per um, risk on the profile? Uh, do we do it based on certain categories? So right now there are a lot of things that we're considering ex exactly you know, what that approach would look like. Mm -hmm. So the ERM program itself, we're considering that and based on what we think would be best for the agency, we're then going to make the proposal to the ERM council and see where they take it from there. So we, um, we, we understand also that the agency, as an agency, we innately consider our appetite and our tolerance um, uh, of risk within the work that we do. But we anticipate that there will be some need for communication and training on the concepts of both risk appetite and risk tolerance as we begin to formally document them. So Yashika, tell us, how does, uh, how does your program mon actually monitor risks and make sure that things are, you know, activities are happening to help mitigate these risks? Okay, great. All right, so we monitor um, risk and the mitigations activities collaboratively, collaboratively through the ERM program, the ERM council, and also hand-in-hand -hand with the risk owners. And we um, recently, within our profile um, for this year with the ERM Council, we tiered our risk into three tiers. So we have the top priority risk for the agency, and right now we have three, and um, that are um, premier, I would mm -hmm. say. Then we have the tier one and tier two risk. So within that top t um, priority risk, those three top priority risks for the agency, we are currently working with the risk owners um, to establish what the appropriate metrics need to be that would enable the ERM Council and other agency leadership to really understand the progress that's being made with the risk. Mm -hmm. So right now we have some draft um, uh, metrics that we're looking at and um, our next step is to come back to the Council to see if this is sufficient. So our process right now is to work with the risk owners, come up with an initial draft um, uh, metrics, then take it back to the council, have them um, uh, validate if this makes sense for them and for the rest of the senior leadership. And once we have received their, um, their feedback, their adjustments and their blessings, then we roll forward with it as being the official metrics that will be used um, to monitor the risk. We also do a lot of check-in with um, risk owners and we offer um, some assistance as well to um, make progress on their risk. So that's, those are some of the things that we do in the area of monitoring um, 
the risk and the mitigation activities uh, now, for the agency. As a member of HHS, with department-level policy, training, procedures, templates, how integrated uh, is your program with the HHS? Do, you, do they allow you know, specific components to do more standalone, or is it uh, tightly fitted together? It's, I would say, both. Both. In different <laughs> ways, and I'll explain what I mean by that. It's hard for me to envision a better partner at the department level. We work hand in hand with HHS. They have tons of resources in which the operating divisions like FDA and others can utilize to make progress um, within their program. So you name it. Um, within every single area of the risk management process, they have tools that are available um, and they, uh, they constantly promote that. So we are well aware. They're, I don't think anyone within the department can say they're not aware of what we have available. And any support that we need, we have it from the department. And recently, the head of that program um, basically told me, whatever they have, I can take HHS off its stamp, FDA, call it my own. Great. And yeah. so it's, it's that type of relationship. But at the same time, they've given us enough autonomy where we can freely um, work within our own um, operating divisions and staff divs uh, to um, uh, identify mm -hmm. the, uh, the risk that um, are, are, are prevalent within our organizations without any fear of, um, of, of Big Brother right. watching you, right. so to speak. So it's really, they give us that autonomy, that freedom where we can, we can really um, do an honest assessment Good. of what's going on within our organizations. Does your profile risks roll up to departmental risks? and are included with them, or does the department have like a different layer of their own departmental profile risk? They have a different layer. Okay. They'd have a different layer, yes. But there are some, um, that without saying exactly what they are, there are certainly commonalities between what are the top priority risks for mm -hmm. the agency and what are also the um, top risks at the department level. Okay, understood. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I think just one more question for you. Um, I think uh, you had mentioned, we'd spoken before, uh, some things that you were doing to help with the operations side at FDA with the risk management program. Do you mind give us a little insight into that? Yes, certainly. So we take every opportunity that we can to really support our risk owners. So some of the things that we, we, we work with them on, it's to develop risk response plans to manage um, the enterprise risk. So right now, um, our top priority risk, they're more in the operation space. And we have been working hand in hand with each of the risk owners to, um, to work on their, um, their, their risk response plans. And one risk owner in particular, we have um, worked with not only to um, develop the plan, but also the implementation of the activities that were um, uh, generated within that plan. So for us, we're looking at a cradle-to-grave kind of support when working with our risk owners, especially in the top tier. If it's so important to the agency, it's certainly even more so important to the ERM program that we do all that we can to support them. Well, that's great. Well, 
really appreciate your time here today at the at the conference. Uh, taking a moment out from the sessions to, to join our podcast. So thank you very much. Great. Thank you for your time and thank you for um, the invite. Yeah, great risk chat. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out at affirm.org. See all our podcasts. And look forward to the Affirm Summit this year in October. We'll be recording a couple podcasts there as well. Get those out soon so y'all can check them out. Until next time, this is Paul Marshall signing off for Wrist Chats with Affirm.